Hello guys, my name is Kyle Lance Martin. I am here in Dallas, Texas, and I'm a friend of your pastor, Pastor Barrett Berry, and it really is an honor to be a part of Empowered Living Church Online, ELC. Uh, unfortunately, I'm here because of um, some sad news with your pastor's father-in-law. Miss Rachel's father, Pastor Ray, has passed away, and as many of you know, you've been praying, and it's been a lot for this family. Um, and so I just want to let you know, my family has been praying for you, Pastor Barrett, uh, Miss Rachel, and uh, I'm sure they look forward to having you come back and pouring into this congregation. And, and until then, it's an honor to be a part of your day today. Uh, I met Pastor Barrett in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, we have a ministry called Time to Revive, and we get invited to come into local churches, walk alongside local churches to equip, to, to help, and to encourage them with the Word of God. And so I never would have thought five years later I'd be speaking into and encouraging friends, not only in Charlotte, but those that are connected to this church throughout the nation. And, and when Pastor Barrett called and said, hey, would you be willing to, to speak? And he said, I want you to speak on, our, our theme is when lions roar. Our theme is, is, you know, talking about leadership, faith, and courage during these times. You know, my heart just got excited because anytime I hear this topic, about how can I encourage believers? So I took this before the Lord and I said, Lord, in this season of unknown times, how do we not just think about faith, but how do we strengthen our faith? How do we, and I'm gonna use a phrase that comes from 2 Peter that we're gonna walk through today. How do we supplement our faith? Kind of sounds like you're going into the GNC and you're getting some stuff ready to work out, but I wanna talk about how do we as believers strengthen who we are in Christ in these times? You, know, you think about 2 Peter, it's really an interesting uh, text. The, the whole book is, is, you know, obviously it's written by Peter. In fact, 2 Peter 1, 1 says, you know, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. So here you have Peter writing, and it's, it's, we'll get into who he's writing to in a second, but Peter probably is writing his last will. In other words, his last words that he wants to speak into a group of believers. So if this great Peter, the rock Cephas, who's walked with Christ, Peter, James, and John, this is the guy, if he's giving his last testament, what would Peter's words be? And that's what we want to talk about today. How do we strengthen our faith in these times? Probably Peter wrote this, this document as, as a warning to believers against doctrinal dangers, against these times where people are creeping in and beginning to twist the word. And here's what it says. It says in 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, slave and apostle of Christ. So in other words, he's writing with authority to those who obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you were to ask this question, Peter, Peter is, you know, a Jew. <laughs> And Peter earlier on, and you know, it says even in the book of Acts, he was hesitant to engage the Gentiles. And what Peter is doing is he's writing to probably a group of Gentiles where it says in 1 Peter 1.1, those that have been dispersed. They are dispersed, you know, this diaspora in, in Pontus, into Galatia, into Cappadocia, in Asia, and Bithynia. In other words, they're not together. That's why I think this text even applies even more. You know, ELC, you guys are right now in this moment, you're online. Right now you're in your homes, you're spread throughout North Carolina and you are dispersed. You know, a lot of us are longing to get back together, but Peter would say, hey, look, while we're apart, I need you to be strong. I need you to be strengthened in the Lord. And, and watch this, even as a Jew or as a Gentile, 
he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours. You know what that means? It means that in God's eyes, the Jew and the Gentile, through their faith in Christ, are on equal standing. Because of my faith in Christ, I am on equal standing with a, a black individual of a, of a suburb of a major city or of an Asian individual who has a heart for Christ and they live in the country. The point is, is it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what background you are. Peter says, hey, look, we are a faith of equal privilege because of Christ. So no matter where you're located, no matter what your background is, we're entering this stage in this day of life on the same page. We have equal privilege, it says, because of our faith. In Christ. It's important to understand as Peter's saying, look, man, there's, there's no favorites here. I'm just saying, if you have faith in Christ, I want all of us to be strengthened in him. That's what I love about Pastor Barrett. Pastor Barrett is willing to engage these discussions. He's willing to have these dialogues and say, guys, because of who we are in Christ, that's where we need to find our foundation. And that's where I want to honor your leadership and say, praise God for that perspective. He says in 2 Peter 1 verse 2, he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In other words, he's setting the stage. You see, Peter knew in John 6, he says this very clearly. Peter knew that Jesus is the Holy One of God. He knew this. So this is the foundation. And he says in verse 3 of 2 Peter, he says, his divine power. In other words, his resurrected power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You know what this means? It means you and I, through the resurrected power of Christ, we have everything we need. Isn't that an incredible statement? Yeah, but you don't understand. I can't pay my bills or you don't understand. I've got some serious issues at my job, but through his resurrected power, he says, you have what you need. If we can rest in his resurrected power over and over, you guys, in scripture, you know, Paul says, hey, look, I just want to know him in the power of his resurrection. We have everything we need to walk it out in these times. The question is, do we depend upon his resurrected power? Do we depend upon our faith in Christ? Now he says in verse four, I'm back in 2 Peter 1 verse four. The scripture says, by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Now, I want to land the plane and talk about the supplementing the faith, but verse four really helps establish who we are in Christ. And he says, because of our, because of our new creation, because of our faith in Christ, we've escaped the corruption of the world. We've escaped the things that were meant for us, but because of Christ, he set us free from those things. I think it's a pretty powerful picture. We are able to escape the corruption that's in the world and it, and it even says in verse four, because of these evil, de uh, evil desires. So in verse five, here's where I want to go today. In verse five, it doesn't matter, you guys, if you're in Charlotte, it doesn't matter if you're in Dallas, it doesn't matter if you're in Indiana or, you know, as, as the berries are going to be in Louisiana this weekend. He says this in verse five, for this very reason. And what we mean is, is in order for you to share in his divine nature, in order for you to escape the corruption, as it says, that's in the world because of these evil desires, I need you to do this, he says. Peter says, remember, last will, last words. Believers that are Gentiles, that are not like him, I need you to make every effort. Now, this, this language of making every effort, it means you gotta be diligent. 
It means legitimately you got to get off your rear. <laughs> you know, people always say, well, God's going to show up and he's going to move in our city. He's going to move in our nation. Yeah. But he also said, I need you to do a part of this. I need you to play a part in this. That's why I believe it's 100% God and 100% man. I believe that you and I must make every effort. In other words, we have to add to our part. But for some reason, the church for decades has gotten comfortable with saying, God's going to move. God's going to move. Yes, God wants to move. And he wants to move through you and me. We got to make an effort, folks. I believe we can start seeing change in this nation. I believe that the church is the answer. But when are we going to realize that it might not be in the building? When are we going to realize that we have to make an effort outside of the doors in order to see Charlotte change or to see Dallas change or to see New York change or Boston change? We have got to start moving forward in the spirit. Now watch it, it says to supplement your faith. You got to add to your faith. Now I'm not talking about faith in Christ plus gives us more for salvation. I'm not talking about that. Salvation very clearly, you guys, is, is faith in Christ alone. When you have faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, you have salvation. You are justified. Well, we're talking about what Paul, uh, what Peter is talking about right here, you guys, is how can we add to what we believe? The church has no problem saying we believe in Christ. Now it's time to start living it out. And so he says, here's how you can supplement your faith. And I want you to start, if you have a pen or a paper at your home, or if you're on your phone, how do we supplement your faith? How do, how do we do this? And I, I love what Peter, Peter's like, well, here I am. I got a list. I'm going to start making this. And I started memorizing this list. And I remember when I first time ever taught on this, it was just like this, whoa, these are like ingredients. These are like essentials. These are like qualities that we have to have. And the very first thing he says in order to supplement your faith is goodness. Now this word goodness, it could be like, oh, well, you know, that makes sense. It's a pretty simple word. And it also can mean virtue. And I began to study and look up the Greek word. And it means it's an uncommon character worthy of praise. It's, it's of excellence. It's of merit. Here's really what it means for me. It means that within a social context, you're a good citizen. That's really what he's talking about. Are you a good citizen in your environment. Think about this language, you guys. Think about these different things. And when you go to Acts 6.3, remember how the, the disciples are like, we got to preach. We got to keep praying. So God, raise up more men, right, that can fulfill the role for us, that can help serve. And one of the qualities, one of the features was, is that they were men of, here it is, good reputation. In Acts 6, 3, it says, brothers, select from you seven men of good reputation. You know what that means? It means that if you ask their neighbors, do you like the guy? Is he a good person? They'd say, oh, yeah, he's a good person. Here's what's happened in the church. We're losing our reputation with society. We're losing our reputation. Why? Because we're not good citizens. We're known more right now. And I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, things against different companies. I'm not, I don't have anything in mind, but the church is more known for the things that we're against rather than the things that we're for. And so what I see here in this language is that Peter says, hey guys, the way you can add to your faith to have an impact in your community is you're gonna be of good reputation. And Peter would say, hey, look, if you want to, you know, I love what Pastor Barrett saying, you know, be a lion that can roar first and foremost to give you the right to do it. So you gotta be a good citizen. 
Supplement your faith with goodness. Now he keeps going. Peter keeps going and he says, all right, here, second way to supplement your faith is knowledge. Now, I'm not talking about this, okay? If you go back to 2 Peter 1.5, for this very reason, okay? To walk out the divine nature that he wants to work through you, make every effort to supplement your faith. So if you opened up this bottle of, you know, supplements, <laughs> you'd pull out goodness. You would pull out, right? You would also pull out goodness with knowledge. Now, this knowledge is not, I know God. Here it is. This knowledge is, is this knowledge of Scripture, how well do you want to know God? How well do you want to know the word? How well do you want to know Jesus? You got to know the word of God. There's no way around this. And yet more and more, the church is becoming biblically illiterate. Church, if you want to add to your faith, you got to get to know him by knowing the word of God. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is so clear. Revive me, O Lord, according to thy word. If you want to experience a personal revival, if this Charlotte or Dallas needs to experience revival, we got to get into the word of God, the church has to be biblically literate. Not because I'm telling you, but because you have a desire. You want to supplement your faith? You want to be a voice that can roar into society? You got to know what he's saying to us. And Peter, these are the last words. He's like, guys, I need you to function in goodness. I need you to function in knowledge. And then he says in 2 Peter 1, 6, he's still penning out his last will. He says, hey, by the way, it's knowledge with, here's your third component, self-control. Self-control. Wow. Praise God for self-control. Here's one of the definitions. It's a, a restraint of one's emotions, impulses, or desires. You know, this really is the fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Peter says, when you function using self-control, you're beginning to master your desires and your passions. You're beginning to control the fleshly things. And church, if you want to have an impact with those around you and people being drawn to Christ, you got to actually hold your tongue a little bit. You got to actually hold in the, the emotions that are sometimes on our sleeves because we want to represent Christ, even though that's something maybe we don't internally feel. And it's pretty real. In fact, one of the real texts for me is, is like a, there's a temperance. And in 1 uh, Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. I really like this picture because self-control, I believe you grow in this when you begin to exercise it. It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, don't you know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. In verse 25, it says this, as it continues on, now everybody who competes exercises self-control in everything. You see this? Self-control is not just pick and choose with maybe your marriage and not your parenting. Self-control is in the family life. Self-control is at the work environment. Self-control is masks, no masks. Self-control is, is like, I can't stand whatever it is. Self-control says everything, put it in, in check. However, you do this to receive a crown that will fade away, but we in a crown that will never fade away. When we use self-control, we're actually living as if the resurrected power is inside of us. How do you actually supplement your faith? With goodness, with knowledge, and with self-control. You, you know those people that you can just push a button and then boom. <laughs> That's not self-control. You read something on social media, post, oh shoot, why did I do that? That's not self-control. And yet what's happening in society, that's all we're doing. We're voicing our opinions. We're putting it out there. Ah, I feel better. Yeah, yeah, well, that's not a way to increase your faith or add to your faith. 
That's just your flesh. And I want to encourage the ELC. I want to encourage you guys. Empowered Living Church Online, you can represent Christ literally by using self-control. What an awesome picture. And it's the Holy Spirit moving. And so here you have supplements to your faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control. And we're going to get into the fourth one here, which is endurance. Oh man, I have to tell you this. If there's anybody that can talk about endurance, it's Peter, right? Think about this. Peter walked with Christ those three years and he messed up. Peter went through a whole lot, but it's also known as perseverance. It's also known as patience, right? What's happening, I see more and more with believers today, and not because of any condition or cultural issue. I just think people are starting to fade. Oh, well, I don't want to offend anybody. So, well, well, that doesn't. Man, you have to persevere with the Word of God. Persevere with Christ, even when the situations aren't good. Think about this in Acts 5, verse 40. It says, after they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. So they got beaten in the name of, right? Because they were, uh, as, as believers, declaring the word. And then what did they do after they got released? <laughs> I love it. They kept going. They persevered. It says, they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name. And these guys kept declaring the word. Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. Uh, it's a really powerful picture, but all you need to know is that it builds on top of each other. Romans 5, 3 through 4. It just, this is an, a powerful image of what it looks like, what the intent is for perseverance. And it says not only that, but we also rejoice in afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Now watch in verse 4. It says endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. In our endurance, we hold on to hope. So the supplements of faith are goodness, knowledge, self-control, and endurance. And just yesterday, I got a friend of mine. Uh, he came to the studio, and he gave me a quote from Frederick Nietzsche. And this was the quote from Nietzsche. It says, there should be long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. Perseverance to me is long obedience in the same direction. That's what endurance is. In fact, Jeremiah 12, 5. I think this is a very, very important verse to understand endurance. Jeremiah 12, 5. It's kind of a, a radical verse to tie in with this, but I hope you hear my heart in this. If you have raced with runners and they have worn you out. In other words, if you're running with man and you're already tired, how can you compete with horses? In other words, if this little journey in life in America today, because of COVID or because of the racism issues, if you're already tired now, what makes you think you can last to the end when Christ comes back? How do you think you can compete with horses that are way faster than men? You see, to me, the way you supplement your faith is you have to have a mentality of endurance. I'm gonna stick through this regardless because of the resurrected power inside of me. And Peter says, look, if this is my last words, I need you as believers, Gentiles or Jews, I need you to understand, goodness, represent me well in society. He says, but pursue me with the word of God, pursue Christ, get to know this more than anything. And he says, as you're doing this, please use self-control, represent me in society, represent me in the church. And I know you're going to get tired. I know that you're going to grow weary, but he says, look to me in this time. I love that quote, man. 
if you think you can run with men, how do you, <laughs> if you're already tired with men, then how on earth are you going to run with the horses? Now, Peter says, look, I've got three more, he says, outside of self-control and outside of endurance. In number five, the, the supplement, he says, is I want you to have this perspective of godliness. When I think of godliness, it's pretty simple. You want to reflect the behavior of God. You are made in the image of God, and I want you to pursue what it looks like to look like Him. I'd love to tell you that there's more to this, but it's really a desire to reflect Him wherever we go. And you look at this process, and it really kind of becomes... I don't want to say a progression, but it kind of looks like that, doesn't it? With man, and then you get to know the Lord, and as you get to know the Lord, you're using self-control, but I need you to keep looking this out and walking this thing out, and I really need you to, to look like me. And in fact, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, you realize that like, you have to train yourself to do this. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, but have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths, rather Train yourself in godliness. Verse 8, it says this, For the training of the body has a limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know what this really means when, when you write down godliness? It means you should probably wake up with an excitement to know Him in the Word. It should probably mean you wake up and you're on your knees talking to Jesus. It should probably mean, you know what? I think I, I'm going to fast this week. It should probably mean, you know, I, I'm going to take communion because Christ did. It should probably mean if I've never been baptized, I probably should be baptized. All of these forms of godliness reflect Him. And you actually have to do it. Not because of a family member tells you, but because you desire to do this and you want to work out your salvation in reflecting him. Here's the best picture for me in Ephesians 2.10. You know, in Ephesians 2.8.9, it says, you know, we're saved by grace because of, we're saved by faith because of God's grace. But in Ephesians 2.10, it says, God has prepared these good works for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, he's prepared these good works, what? So that we could walk in them. So how do you train in godliness? You begin to walk these good works out. Don't talk about it. Oh, yeah. Little Jimmy needs this, and, you know, Mama Sue needs this. And then you do squat about it. Godliness says you're functioning and listening to the Spirit, and you're doing something about it. We can't just talk about it. we got to exercise our faith. That's what allows us to have a voice. So these supplements of faith, you have goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, and godliness. And you're like, dear Lord, I got to work on one of them. Fine, work on one. I'm with you. Work on two. Maybe you're on three or four, wherever you're at. Peter says, guys, this is what I need you to do. And finally, in six and seven, it's not that they go together, but they sound similar. He says, I want you to supplement your faith with brotherly affection. brotherly affection. In other words, it's that Greek word Philadelphia. It's, I want you to have a love for fellow believers. I want you to have a love for fellow believers and sisters in the Lord. I mean, in Romans 12, verse 10, you know, it says that you should have this love for one another. And, and here's what I love. In Romans 12, 10, it says, and outdo one another in this honor mentality. 
You show family affection to one another with brotherly love and then outdo one another in showing love. In other words, how can I love my Methodist brother, my Mennonite brother, my black brother, my white sister? How can I outdo them because of their faith in Christ? Not diss them, not bash them, but how can I love them? You see, this is just straight out of the word of God. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. This is what the word says. The way you add to your faith, supplement your faith, and have an impact in your community is you love your believers. Because if you don't love your fellow believers, why do they want to be a part of your family? That's why I love Pastor Barrett. I love the, the fact that we can do this together shows that we have brotherly love. That should draw people. And John, it says that should draw people to Christ because we are becoming one. This brotherly affection is a major component of supplementing your faith. But finally, number seven, supplementing your faith, it says, going back to 2 Peter 1, verse 7, it says, with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Uh, this is the highest form of love. This is the agape. This is love without limitations. This doesn't matter if it's for believers or non-believers. The scripture says, will we love setting aside ourselves? Will we love saying, man, this doesn't impact me at all, but it sure impacts them. And Peter says, this is what I want us to focus on because we love, right? As it says in 1 John, because he first loved us. Because of Christ giving up his life, he says, and that's how you should live. And Peter says, look, this is all I got. This is my, my encouragement to you. So if you keep going in 2 Peter, now look, these are the supplements of your faith. And you can say, well, <clears throat> is this really that important? Do I really need to focus on this? Well, 2 Peter 1.8 says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you, now look at this, from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are saying, whoa, wait, what? Yeah, if you're questioning whether or not you're fruitful, I would say go back and supplement your faith. He says it keep you from being useless or unfruitful. In other words, really no use for the kingdom of God. I need you to focus on these things. It says in 2 Peter 1 verse 9, as it continues on, the scripture says this, the person who lacks these things. So if you don't live out one through seven, he says the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. In other words, if you don't live out the supplement, the supplement of your faith, he says, you might as well have forgotten about what Christ has done for you. What's the point? What's the point of saying, I believe, but never living it out? He says in 2 Peter 1.10, therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. In other words, I need you to express these things because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Whew, you'll never stumble. Well, Maybe sometimes when I have stumbled, it's because I, I showed no self-control. Or maybe when I have stumbled, it's I wanted to quit. Or, or maybe when I stumbled, it's because I wasn't in his word of God. And, and he says, I need you to make every effort, confirm your calling, walk these things out so you don't stumble, so that you're not useless and yet you're unfruitful. Second Peter 1.11 says, for in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. In other words, not only is there already a 